the Ty Butler and Brandon Jacobs Show on 98.7 ESPN. Oh, it is indeed. Let's do it. Ty Butler. No Brandon Jacobs today. He's got the day off. I guess the, the Giants have been so bad he decided, you know, I'm not going to show up to work today. Who am I to make fun of him? My jet stake. Ty Butler going until 2 o'clock this afternoon, leading you into the great Larry Hardesty. He's going to take you up until pregame coverage. you got the Knicks and the Suns tonight, live from the Garden. So let's have some fun the next three hours. 800-919-3776. Hit me on Twitter. I'm at Ty D. Butler. We are on Instagram as well. I can't believe it's week 12 already. But... It's exciting because it means we're that much closer to the end of this miserable season. Uh, If you're a Jet fan, man, it's been so pathetic. I threw this out on Twitter the other day. You can say it's fraudulent. We should be allowed to become free agents as fans the rest of the season. Because what we have been subjected to, I mean, it's like nightmare would, would be kind. Like that's not even doing it justice how bad this year has been. But we'll talk about the Jets. Got to get into the Giants, of course. They'll be at home today against the Patriots. And uh, Bill Belichick, greatest coach of all time. Uh, what's what's this like silly charade he's doing where he's not naming the starting quarterback? It looks like Mac Jones is going to get the opportunity today. But like, what's the game he's playing? You're, you're either starting a terrible quarterback or a terrible quarterback. Doesn't matter. So what's the gamesmanship aspect? It, it just doesn't make any sense to me. It's goofy. It's silly. And it's, come on, downright annoying. But we'll talk about the Giants, get a pulse of, you know, how fans are feeling. I thought that was a terrible win last week. And if you win this one today, uh, your chances of, of landing a top pick are going to significantly diminish. Uh, but it's something we'll get into as well. Also got to talk basketball. I mentioned the Knicks in action tonight. It would be... You know, just unjust if we don't discuss them today. Just because of what I watched on Friday night. Bing bong! What was, to me, the most impressive win of the season for the New York Knicks. And, you know, they, they've just been on a roll here. Battling from down 21 points to get that win against Miami to keep their in-season tournament hopes alive. So, you know, we'll talk about that. But let's start with the aforementioned New York Jets, because the horror show just continues. And I'm glad that this game happened the day after Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving was glorious. I got a chance to hang out with my guy Harvey Cruz. Chantel was in the house. Tom Bauer, he just had no interest in being here with us. But, you know, it was fun. After the show, hung out with the family, watched uh, the the three games, slate of football games, non-competitive outside of – Green Bay pulling the upset over the Lions. But it was fun. It was a great time. And I didn't have the Jets ruin the holidays until the next day. Because I, I thought about, as I'm watching this game, one of my friends said this to me a couple weeks ago. He's like, yo, this is the worst season ever if, if you're a Jets fan. And I dismissed it. I said, nah, you're, you're overreacting. That's, that's just you being all in your feelings. But this game, it's unfolding. Of course, we get the... Hell Mary, that gets returned for a, a, a pick six. And I'm like, now I'm starting to get on board. I, and I want you, if you're out there, and you know, even if you're, whether you're younger or older than me, make the case that this isn't the worst season ever. 
And maybe it's just prisoner of the moment, and, and that's very fitting because I do feel like a prisoner watching this team. But it, they entered the season with the sixth best odds to win the Super Bowl. It was a top five defense adding a four-time MVP under center who right now is practicing, and Rappaport is reporting that you know he could get on the practice field as early as next week and make a return for Christmas Eve against the Commanders, which is not something I, I necessarily agree with, but we'll get into that as the show progresses. One year removed was Rodgers from winning the second straight MVP. And since then, since everything you know was, was, was sunshine and rainbows, I, I told the story this past Thursday about this, this, you know, in August, I'm driving by MetLife Stadium and I found myself just grinning ear to ear because I was so excited about this season. And then since then, everything that could go wrong has done just that. And just when you think they've hit rock bottom, they, they somehow manage to sink even lower. Because, like, this team doesn't just lose. They can't just be a bad team. They have to do it in such a mortifying way with the entire world watching them because, you know, they've got to do something to become another viral video or a a meme. That Hail Mary play. I mean, uh, it's fitting because we're like almost 11 years after the butt fumble which, of course, happened on Thanksgiving Day, only the New York Jets. So now you have Javon Holland return a 99-yard pick six. Only, and, and the funniest thing about it was the only reason why the Jets were in position to attempt a Hail Mary was because on the previous play, DJ Reed made an incredible, incredible play to intercept Tua. So they only set themselves up for this viral moment that was so embarrassing because the defense once again came up huge and made a big play. You can't even trust them to to, to execute or not even execute to just throw a Hail Mary. This gets batted down or even if the guy picks it off, he gets tackled immediately. And as he's running, I'm watching with a bunch of Jet fans in my family. We're all saying, he's, he's, he's going to the house. Like, you can't even, the camera doesn't show you the full field, so we, we can't observe who is ahead of him. But there's no, and then poor Tim Boyle, who, yeah, it's funny, I'm watching this and I'm breaking it down. I'm like, no, boy, you, you should have cut to the inside because you had some help on the outside. What's he thinking in that situation? He, he's a journeyman quarterback who should not have even been put in a situation where he has to make that, that tackle and be the last line of defense. But, you know, only the New York Jets. So I, 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 I'm sinking in my feelings and my emotions because I am trying my best to make the case against this being the worst season. Just when you look at all the expectations that you had come into it, uh, thinking this team could possibly contend for a Super Bowl, or like even if you weren't as high on them as that, you at the very least thought they'd make the playoffs, and it's just been a it's just been one thing after another, and it actually started. Remember in training camp, well, in the first week of practice, we see the reports. I believe Diana Racine might have been the first person I saw put it on Twitter, where she's like, "Oh, Aaron Rodgers headed back to." Patted back inside at the facilities, dealing with the calf injury. And I'm like, oh, man, here we go. He ended up being okay. 
Lazard went down. And it was just like that was the beginning of the end for this season. Because week after week, it's injury after injury after penalty after penalty after embarrassing moment, embarrassing moment. And you somehow find yourself thinking, yo, is it now better for us to start losing these games? Might be better for them to just start losing. And everyone's going to go, you know, because I, I, I talk about like this being the worst season ever. Obviously, 99 was a travesty coming off that AFC championship appearance where you lose to Elway's Broncos. And, you know, week one, Testaverde blows out his Achilles against New England. And they end up starting that season one and six. They ended up going eight and eight. But that was just, uh, the Jets remember, a lot of people were picking them to win the Super Bowl that, that year. But same deal happens where Vinny goes down and it essentially ended that campaign. And then the 96 season, we all remember uh, one year, one win because of the Colts' ineptitude. They were outscored by 175 points that season. But I, I, I keep coming back to this possibly being the worst because it's freshest in your mind. And then you throw in the hard knocks element where there was all this buildup and lead-in. And, and, and we saw the team chemistry and camaraderie building. We got the impactful, emphatic speeches from the coaches. And it was all resonating. The pomp and circumstance leading into, you know, week one started, full slate of games. We had Thursday night with Kansas City, Detroit. Then you had the full slate on Sunday. The Jets stand alone, Monday night football. Here comes Aaron Rodgers, September 11th, running out with the flag. It's actually my mom's birthday. And then finally, after 12 years, you get a chance to end this playoff drought. And then four plays into the season, it's over. Which brings me to this. I need someone or people out there to make the case that both Joe Douglas and Robert Sala should return next year. This tandem right now is overseeing an operation that is about to miss the playoffs in, you know, in their tenure for the third straight season with zero winning seasons to account for. Joe Douglas, since he's come on board, 24-53. and 53. This might... And I'm not exaggerating here. This might be the worst offense I've ever seen. I've been watching football for a long time. I've never seen it look this bad, this hard to score in a league that is, you know, predicated on putting up offensive numbers. That is putting you in the best position to do so with all the rule changes and how it favors uh, the offensive side of the ball. They're begging you to score points. They are handing you touchdowns. And watching them is actually offensive. And it starts up front with the unit that Douglas had four years to just get them to be average. Because we talk about, and we'll get to the quarterback in a moment, but we keep, we keep going back to this, well, the defense is so good, all you need is average quarterback play. All you needed was an average offensive line. He's had four years to put it together. And somehow it's worse than what it was when he got here. And now all of it is not on him, right? Like they're, they're playing a bunch of backups and injuries. But coming into the season, their Achilles heel, no pun intended, was the offensive line. And week after week after week, we have to see them just be a, 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 a turnstile. It's, it's so pathetic. Over the past three seasons, I saw this stat on Twitter. The Jets 31st 
and expected points added per drop back and 31st in rushing success. I mean, it's like historically bad. And shout out to Xavier Gibson and Jason Brownlee. But I mean, the wide receiver core that includes these guys leaves a lot to be a, a, a lot to be desired. And by the way, it sounds like an offense that could have desperately used difference makers in those slots where you drafted Elijah Moore, Denzel Mims, Michael Carter, who are all no longer with the team. So to be like this starved on that side of the ball, knowing you essentially wasted three picks, that falls on the general manager. And look, we, we, we've all talked about it at nauseum, missing on, on Zach with the number two pick. It might be one of the biggest strikeouts in franchise history, but I could actually construct an argument that even worse than missing on Zach was not having a legitimate backup behind Aaron Rodgers and making Zach a guy who twice last year the organization told you was not good enough to start. Twice when he got benched. Making him the backup just made no sense. But you were saved by the Aaron Rodgers divorce with Green Bay. It put you into a, a, favorable, a favorable position where despite missing on that pick, you had one of the best quarterbacks available. You go out there and get him. Not having a legitimate backup behind him to me right now looks like a bigger miss than actually taking Zach with the number two overall pick. But for Douglas, I'll give him credit. Because he did draft Sauce and Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall and Jermaine Johnson looks like a stud right now. And he also brought in guys via free agency. DJ Reed, who made that big play on the sidelines that actually ended up hurting the Jets. Quincy Williams, Bryce Huff. Like, so he's built uh, this team, you know, especially on defense. He's had some great pickups. But the misses are just ginormous, man. And like Joe... To use a baseball analogy, has a high slugging percentage. So he's hitting the ball out the park. He's picking up a lot of bases, but the batting average is very low because there are a lot of swings and misses. And that's the reason why the Jets sit here today at four and seven. And not just because they lost Aaron Rodgers, because, like, at the end of the season, when you do uh, big picture analysis, when you do autopsy on what happened uh, this year, yes, losing Aaron was. Just devastating. It, it killed any chances you had at contending for a Super Bowl. But did it stop you from making the playoffs? Look at the AFC. No, it did not. Because all you needed was an average quarterback behind him, and they would have found a way to win enough games to, at the very least, be in the conversation late in the season, which has not happened now. And lastly, before I get to your phone calls at 800-919-3776, Robert Sala, who I... I I, I got to tell you, man, I, I really want to like him. I, I, I really do. He's a nice guy. I had an opportunity last year around this time filling in on the K-Show with Dan Grassa, uh, interviewing him on, on his weekly, and he's a nice guy, very nice guy, and his calling card was defense, and the fact that he's turned what was the worst defense in year one when he got here into a super caliber one necessitates us having to give him praise but it's tough to watch this team every week shoot themselves in the foot, hear the coach say that, yeah, we got to stop shooting ourselves in the foot and then continue to do that exact thing of shooting them in the foot. Here was Robert Sala during an exchange asked about uh, his job security. I know uh, the season hasn't gone the way that you wanted to in 4-7. and seven. Are you worried about your job security? And if not, uh, why is that the case? No, I'm not. I'm not worried about it. 
He's not worried about it. It's what he has to say. My question to him, to, to, to get him to not answer it that way, because it's a cliche, it's textbook. I would say, listen, if you are the owner of this team, tell me why I should not fire you. I'm not blaming Robert uh, and saying that he's the biggest reason for the failures this year. That falls on the general manager. But can you say that he's not part of the problem? That can you with a serious face say that, yeah, he doesn't leave a lot to be desired as far as what he brings to the table, not just as a defensive mind. He's the CEO of this team. He's the head coach. And when I watch Quentin Williams, you know, who's I don't want to say it's been quiet because the stats don't do it justice. Quinnen's been great. He's getting double teamed a lot. But the first defensive series of the game, he gets into the backfield and, and tackles Mostart for a loss, immediately nullified by a, an undisciplined play where the defense once again just can't get out their own way. They're just, they just can't do it. It's another big mistake. That now extends the drive. Miami gets to the red zone. They don't score a touchdown because Tyreek drops the ball. But if they had scored a touchdown, that would have been yet another you know, stupid penalty that extended a drive and allowed the offense to put some points on the board. It, it, it reeks to me of a team that's undisciplined, and it's inexcusable. It's inexcusable. So, look, today I'm not going to hammer them for, for losing to Miami. They were nine-and-a-half-point dogs at home. The Dolphins are probably going to win this division, even though I'm not sold on them being a contender. They're likely going to win this division. But why is it that you have to get thoroughly embarrassed and outclassed week after week after week? How do you force the other team into three turnovers and lose by 21 points? And the, one of my biggest pet peeves, and maybe it's small and I'm just being dramatic, I've got to watch defensive players celebrate tackle for losses and sacks when they're trailing by multiple scores? Really? I got to see you do the first down celebration down 21 points at home after you just gave up a 99-yard pick six on a Hail Mary? That's what I got to go out there and, and, and watch on my television screen. Is a Bill Belichick team doing that. Andy Reid, John Harbaugh. Think of the best coaches in football. And I'm not, I'm not saying Robert has to be those guys, but just the way you carry yourself as an organization, it's just unserious to me. So it's the losing, it's the behavior, and it's how they get outclassed, outcoached, outmatched every single week. And I'm tired of it. So look, they're very lucky that they're going to live on this Aaron Rodgers scholarship because if he decides the general manager and the head coach stays, that's what's going to happen. And it's hard to see them both going because there's no way in the world his guy Nathaniel Hackett is going to be out of a job at the end of the season. So how silly would it be to can the GM, the head coach, and then allow the offensive coordinator, who we haven't even mentioned, but it might be the biggest culprit of this ineptitude, allow him to not just not get fired, but get a raise Get promoted to head coach? Oh, what an embarrassment that would be. 800-919-3776. I'm fired up. It's week 12, and I just, I'm just so tired of watching this team. I'm, I'm glad that it's, like, ending, but you do have to always sit there and, and, and get smacked in the face with the what if because I really did, you know, psych myself out into thinking this could be a season where things change and things, did, you know, things did not change. The more they change, they remain the same. The Jets, once again, will be headed to another postseason DNP. And it's hard to say we didn't all see it coming because only the New York Jets. This. 
is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. A quick note on the football with the Giants before we get to your phone calls at 800-919-3776. Jordan Ronan reporting that Dexter Lawrence is uh, doubtful uh, with a hamstring injury, did not practice this week, and looks like he will not play today, uh, which, of course, is going to leave a big void in their defense. Mike Garofolo is reporting that the wide receiver for the Giants, Darius Slayton, will be active today. He was listed as doubtful uh, with a neck injury but improved over the last day. And the reason why that's significant is because uh, Max Crosby, for the Raiders in their game against the Chiefs, uh, he's listed as, do- as doubtful. Going to try to give it a go. And up until today, every player that had been listed as doubtful did not actually end up playing the, in the game today. Uh, so we could see that happen twice just this week with uh, both Darius Slayton and Max Crosby. 800-919-3776. Let's go to the phone calls. And we start with Jose and Emerson. Uh, he leads it off today on the program. What's up, Jose? Hey, good morning, Ty. Great show. Uh, my thing with this is that the management here is the biggest failure that we had since the Richard Cole type uh, time. And as far as the uh, decision with the quarterbacks here or there, they had their chance before the trading deadline to get somebody in here. And and the other thing is, you brought up Mr. Rogers. He brought his four buddies over here. And what did we get? Garbage. We got garbage for these four guys. So I'm sorry to say, as a, as a fellow Jet fan since the Mud Bowl, we have to just blow this up. It's not going to look that bad because we suck anyway, and it's easy to lose when we suck. So <laughs> let's blow it up, and let's, let's just get something that means something for the fans, for oh, the man. franchise. And, yes, unfortunately, you're going to have to go after a quarterback because yeah. after Roger leaves, you got nothing, nothing. But Thank th- you, Tom. So that's why this situation is so, like, like, it has to give you just anxiety as a Jet fan because, like, rational thought would tell you, like, right now, if the draft were held today, the Jets would have the eighth pick. And it, it, I'm not watching a team that looks like they're going to win any more games this year. Yeah, look, I, That could just be me being dramatic. The offense is so bad, they can't score. They cannot score. How are they going to win games if they can't score? The defense does, does feel like it's taking a step back, and I don't know if that's just a product of all the losing you know, you start to naturally feel like, you know, what are we doing this for? And I, and I don't want to call them unprofessionals, but that just naturally happens. Um, so it, logic would tell you, yes, you have a 40-year-old quarterback coming off of an Achilles tear. You should be in the uh, business of drafting a quarterback. But because of the history of, you know, Rodgers with Green Bay and how that played out, it, it was an egregious move on their part to move up in the draft to, to take Jordan Love while they're in the midst of their championship window. But when you have that happen in his previous relationship, he's pretty much going to dictate what you do in the offseason. And the big move is going to be go out there and get Devontae Adams. The offensive line is a mess. Go out there and get me a tackle who, who can help protect me. And this idea that, you know, Nate Hackett is going to get canned, it's, it's not going to happen. That is not going to happen. So you're looking for, I, I think, logical and rational solutions to a situation that that's just not going to present itself because of uh, Aaron Rodgers being the, the quarterback of this team. It's just not going to take place. Ira's in Staten Island. What's up, Ira? Hey, Ty. How are you? And I hope your Thanksgiving was good. Uh, Friday was a disaster. Man. And, you know, you talk about disappointing seasons. 99 is probably very – is above that because they were a Super Bowl team. Yeah. This year was a fraud. 
Mm-hmm. This this year was a fraud, and but I'll put it number two. I mean, the Colts had years. That is what it is. But the expectations this year were through the roof, and fans, and more so the team, they hyped us up with hard knocks and Rodgers. And but you know what? And, and I go back to you know, you know, I was kind of shaky with getting Rodgers on board because I knew that if things didn't go right, this is the direction this could go. And pretty much he's holding up the, ho- the franchise hostage now. They can't make any moves. Salah should be fired. You could you could probably move on from Douglas. Hackett should be gone. And it's not going to happen because of Rodgers. Yeah. And that was my biggest worry. And that's why I know Derek Carr's having an off year. Yeah, well, no, I didn't say off year, but... You know, he he doesn't have the ability that Rogers does. He's a, if Carr has not been good. That I I so I hear you about like your trepidations when it comes to Rogers, but the, the, you lose it with the Carr argument. Uh, th- that might be that is the worst division in football, and they might miss the playoffs. And we've already seen, you know, instances. I forget which game it was where he's screaming at teammates for running the wrong route. He's getting into it with coaches, and he had to come out and like apologize for it. So it's not like Carr would have made them better. But Ira, and I appreciate the call, it it, it 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 leaves you with this feeling of, like I said, anxiety. But also, you're you're just discouraged because there's no there's no solution. The the uh, the solution is Rogers next year comes back and they're great. But think about this: every time he's on the field next season, every single play, you are going to be overwhelmed with angst. Thinking that every you know, he goes down for a sack, there's another injury. And by the way, so so the report is he's gonna he could practice next week, and he's gonna try to make this return. I, I so there are two different ways I look at this. If the idea is to prove people wrong, I get it. Us as like talk show hosts, we do this. We don't understand what goes through the minds of athletes, which is why like I love to get the perspective of. You know, Brandon, when he's on the show, Bart Scott, like the actual Rick DiPietro, like the guys who actually play the sport, see it differently. They're motivated by different things. We get on radio, we destroy them. We, we just don't get it. They're built differently. So from that standpoint, I totally understand because it would be unprecedented. And it's not just proving others uh, that, that, you know, that they were wrong. It's proven to yourself that you set out to do something. You had a goal in mind that had never been done before. And you want to see it through. So I get it. Where I get nervous is, fam, you're about to be 40. And this past Friday, I just watched the third player this season suffer a season-ending injury at MetLife Stadium. In the Giants game, Al Woods, uh, the Jets, uh, defensive tackle. He went down with a, an Achilles injury. We saw um, Aaron Rodgers, of course, in week one. And then we saw Jalen Phillips go down. He suffered a season-ending Achilles, Achilles injury. That turf terrifies me. There's a reason why it right now is ranked as the worst stadium in football. So coming back and playing a few series, it would be fun. It would be a nice moment. Fan base gets to enjoy it. But behind this offensive line and on that turf, just has nightmare written all over it. And if you are now going to be, you know, fracturing not just this season, but next year, where it bleeds into it, you can't have a full training camp, and we're going to worry more about you getting hurt again, I, I just don't see how it's that much more rewarding than you just playing it safely, being more conservative in your approach, and deciding, all right, we're going to go all in again next year. Hit. Uh, let's hit Chris and Beth Page real quick before we take a break. What's up, Chris? 
Hey, Ty. Actually, those guys kind of stole my thunder. Now, <clears throat> there's no way they'll ever do it, but what has to be done, and put your big boy pants on, do it like Belichick or any organization, good organization would do right now. If you're the owner, Woody Johnson, you go to Aaron Rodgers and you tell him this, listen, this isn't working out with your guys. We want you. We want you. But we're bringing in a new coach, a new general manager, and definitely a new offensive coordinator, okay? All, Aaron, you're not our general manager. If he wants to stay with those rules, that's fine. We'd love to have you. We really want you. And, but we don't need these conditions. You, this is like an NBA franchise now. He's, he's holding them hostage the way NBA superstars do, where they come in and they run the organization. It's, think about it. Why did Green Bay go out and draft a quarterback a couple of years ago? I mean, just that should tell you everything you need to know. I, no, I, so, I, I, no I hear you, Chris. I, I, I no, keep him on real quick because I, I want him to respond to this. Okay. So Green Bay doing that to me, I, I think that they got too cute. And they, and they were trying to do what had worked for them in the past, right, with, with Favre to Rodgers and now Rodgers to the next guy. I, I, I think they were trying to build for a future when it made no sense. You know, they were in NFC Championship games. He's winning MVP. Your your window is clearly open. You need some players on that defense because their defense wasn't good, and they're dra- they're drafting a the quarterback. So that made no sense. But the other stuff you mentioned, I, I agree with. All right, Ty, can I say something really quickly? Yeah, let me hear. Say the Jets don't win another game. Say they don't win another game, which could could happen. They yep. don't win another game. They fall to let's say fourth or fifth overall with their picks. Fourth or fifth. Don't you think it's total organizational malfeasance if you don't try to take, God forbid, let's just say somehow Drake May or Caleb Williams is in that area and you don't take him? Think about that. Yeah. It, it would be, a, it's, I, I would take the quarterback. I appreciate the call. Right. I, I would take the quarterback. But what they're going to do is trade back, get, find out the latest they can get the offensive lineman, trade back to that position acquire some capital, use those assets to help get Javante and bring him here. That's what they're going to do. They're not taking a quarterback. And they're not firing a GM. They're not firing a head coach just because you're all in with Aaron. So you got to see it through. And when you say, you know, what would Belichick do? The, the, the Jets don't have the cachet of the New England Patriots where, you know, they've won a bunch of times. So now that puts them in, in, in a favorable spot where, you know, Pat Riley's dropping rings to show LeBron, yeah, I've done it before. I know what the hell I'm doing. The Jets can't do that. So it's a little bit different. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. This portion of the Ty Butler and Brandon Jacobs Show on 98.7 ESPN brought to you by Coach USA. Make your commute to the city easy on a Coach USA bus. For schedules and fares, go to CoachUSA.com or download the Coach USA app to buy, store, and scan your tickets. 800-919-3776. We'll play a little in or out next, but before we get there, let's get back to your phone calls. Uh, 800-919-3776. Let's hit Chris in Cape May. What's up, Chris? Morning, Ty. How you doing? Doing well, uh, man. What's going on? A couple on? things. First of all, I'm, I'm not a Jet. I like the Jets. I'm not a Jet fan. I'm a Cowboy fan, so I, I always like to see. The, I would like to see the Jets do well because it'd be kind of like take over the town sort of thing. But you had a caller on a few minutes ago, and I'm going to tell you why I totally disagree with him and totally agree with you. There's there's no reason to be talking about tearing this thing down. You don't tear down a team that's got a top five defense probably throughout the entire league, and it doesn't matter whether they're going to bring a right back or whether they're going to try to develop a quarterback. If they don't address that offensive line, none of those things are going to really matter. That's the key. They have. I can even make it. You can make an argument that some of these guys they brought in 
with Rodgers in an offensive line, you probably perform a lot better. Yeah. Um, so that, that's, that's the key. they got to take care of that problem if they, if they can do that. And, you know, I, I will go back to my Cowboys. You know, we take a lot of heat. There's no doubt about that, and it's rightfully so. You know, I, 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 I get a lot of the things that people say. But what they don't give them enough credit for is the consistency of, I mean, they don't win it. They haven't won it in a long time. I get that. But they're always relevant. You know, it's an aberration when they have a really bad year. It was because of major injuries or something. And their right. offensive line, they were paired, they were they were getting a lot of you my point about it, I'm bringing them up because you can revamp that offensive line. A couple of years ago it looked like ours was on its way out when when our center retired and you know um all the injuries that kept you know coming and coming and coming. Well, right now I think we probably got one of the top 3 or 4 offensive lines in football. So it can be done. It can it absolutely can be done, and I appreciate the call. By the way, your Cowboys look pretty good, man. Uh, th- what was it, forty-five to ten on Thanksgiving Day? Uh, I I don't think there's any, and we'll get back to the Jets. But you just brought up something I wanted to mention. I don't think there's anything that they can do during the regular season to convince those who are not sold on them uh, to come over to the other side. But man, have they been impressive ever since losing that game to the Niners? They've just been blowing teams out. Uh, they lost that that uh, close game at, um, in Philadelphia where they should have won it. But outside of that, they've just been hammering teams, and it continued. And right now, I know folks in New York don't want to hear this. Uh, Dak Prescott might be your NFL MVP. <laughs> he, he really just might be the MVP of the league. Uh, we'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks because they have some big games coming up. They'll play the Lions. They'll, of course, play the Eagles again. Uh, but, yeah, Dak's balling right now. As far as the offensive line – you make a good point about about this. Uh, Alan Lazard, and I don't even want to include Randall Cobb because that's really on a big contract I'm all concerned about, but with Lazard and Hackett, would they be better in their respective positions had Rodgers not gotten hurt? I think absolutely. We've seen the success previously with uh, Hackett as the offensive coordinator and Rodgers on the center. We've seen Lazard, when they when Green Bay tried to make him a number one receiver, he wasn't that, but you know, opposite Devontae Adams, he played pretty well, and there's a reason why Aaron wanted him over here, and he mentioned the, the leadership aspect. Those guys had played in big games, so they were coming to a young locker room trying to help them get to the next step, and once he goes down, it, it's hard for them to hit their apex without their guy. So it's not not making excuses for them. They, they both have been bad, but I think the Jets are going to convince themselves that, yeah, let's just run it back and build up the offensive line. Then Brees Hall will be better. Garrett Wilson will be better. Uh, Lazard is going to be better. But if, if you can't protect the quarterback, it doesn't matter who you throw back there. It's just not going to work, which is why I think it's silly to, to even entertain um, Rodgers coming back. That offensive line at that state, because that's a home game against the Commanders. Then four days later, you play Cleveland. Now it looks like, I, I guess the rules are like you could flex out of Thursday night games this year. Uh, so there's a chance that that gets flexed with, you know, Cleveland not having a quarterback and then the uh, Jets situation. But who knows, if Rodgers is back, maybe they want to see him on Thursday night football. But the, the point is, at that stadium, uh, with all those turf injuries and, and this bad offensive line, no one wants to see that. No one wants to see that. Let's go to Matt in Long Island. What's up, Matt? Hey, what's going on, Ty? What's up, bro? How I just wanted – um, so there's been a lot of talk about, uh, you know, the draft, everything now with, you know, the Jets situation and um, being 4-7. and seven. And I just wanted to get your opinion because I see a lot of people talking about drafting a quarterback. 
and having him actually be developed properly, you know, sitting behind Rodgers, sitting behind another veteran backup quarterback. But in today's day and age, you know, with Joe Douglas and him drafting Zach Wilson, one of the <laughs> <Yeah>. biggest busts, <laughs> I, you don't get another opportunity. Yeah. So I, I think this talk is a little silly about him, the Jets going in to draft a quarterback, you know, and, and you don't see that from GMs ever really get two chances, you know? What? Yeah, no, it's a great point. I appreciate the call, Matt. And, and it's one of the reasons why he's not going to get a second chance. You know what's like, this feels like one of those, um, those arduous like math equations. And I love math, but like one of those equations where it takes you 10 minutes to get through because it's all funky. The Jets are trying to do, and the fan base is like pushing them to do two things simultaneously that really can't happen. They're trying to develop the next quarterback because you have a really good team. You have a really good defense. Some holes to fill, of course, on offense. But the defense, for the most part, has been stout, you know, last two weeks notwithstanding. So you want to hold on to that and hoping that it translates year after year after year. So you bring in the next quarterback and have him sit behind Rodgers. But you're also trying to contend for a championship, which means that using your first-round pick to draft the quarterback is wasting it. You're wasting a, a first-round pick if you draft a quarterback because that guy, in theory, is not going to see a single snap the next two seasons. So to take your first-rounder and stash him, it's like literally punting it. So you're trying to do two things at the same time that, that, that just don't work. They don't work. And the only reason why you're in this situation is because you've convinced yourself, and I, I think to some degree rightfully, that you can compete for a championship with this guy under center. Problem is, he's coming off of an Achilles. And he's 40. So it's just a, a big, giant mess. Quickly, before we hit a break, let's go to Fran in Massapequa. What's up, Fran? My man, Ty. What's up, baby? What's up, man? How you doing? Good long time, no talk, I man. But I listen, I, I listen. I, I listen, listen to baby. you on DPHO on Rothenburg, man. I was like, yo, I, I miss this dude. Saturdays, we used to I hang know. out. You know what it is? I call everywhere. So, you know what? You're on the list now, baby. But Thank sometimes you, it's tough to figure out where you are, you know. But I love hearing you. You know that. We go back a long way, baby. Yes, but listen, um, it, it's very simple. Um, GM slash OC slash coach slash offensive coordinator, Mr. Rogers, <laughs> it's his show. So let's, 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 let's all stop the nonsense right here with this phone call. The bottom line is this. Whatever he says goes. There will be absolutely 1,000% no quarterback even sniffed in the draft. They will be drafting either an offensive lineman for Rodgers, whatever he wants, or a, a, a receiver, whatever he wants. This is Aaron Rodgers' show. It's a, it's a laughing stock because I'm not a Jets fan. I'm sitting back laughing. But it's his show, his team, what he says goes. He wants to come back in two weeks. He's coming back in two weeks. It's just I've never seen it in all my life, and it's, that's why it's failing because you can't let the player run the show. And the Jets, the horrible organization they are, are letting the player run the show, and I'm sitting back and laughing, and I feel so bad for all those New Jersey Jets. <laughs> you don't feel Jets bad. Fans. You love it, friend. Stop I love it. it. You love it. I, like, I hear the smile on your face. Uh, you're excited. You're, you're pumped up. Ty, one question. One let question before I go. All right, let me hear. Ty, how on God's green earth, I was talking to my dad. He's 87. How, how did they pull off the fact they both play in a dumpy stadium, they both are in New Jersey, the Jets left their fan base, their practice facility at Hofstra, which the fans loved, 
They went to Jersey, built a multi-billion dollar or million dollar facility, and they're still called the New, New York Jets and New York Giants. It's the biggest farce in the history of sports. I still can't believe it, and New York's a bunch of jerks, and that's why I'll never root for them for the last 30 years. I'm a Bears fan. Love you, brother. Keep up the good work. <laughs> Thank you, Fred. Uh, as far as like uh, you know everything you said about the organization being a joke, like I wish I I, I can argue that. Um, I, I love Raymond Rodgers, my favorite quarterback. I love the Jets, my favorite team. But unfortunately, everything you said right now, you know, has come to fruition, and I don't got a leg to stand on. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. We'll play on our route next. Get back to the football after that. Get to the Giants at the top at the top of the hour. They're at home against the Patriots today. Oh, what a juicy matchup that is! Tommy DeVito against Mac Jones. Can't wait. Right here on 987 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Time to decide are you in or are you out? All right, let's do it. Ty Butler going until 2 o'clock. We're flying solo today for the majority of the show. Up until now, where we bring the producers in, our guys Tom and Harvey take over the reins. They'll submit a statement to yours truly, and I'll let them know whether I'm in or out on said statement. Let's get it popping, y'all. All All right, let's get it started here. So the Lions disappoint again on Thanksgiving. Oh, they did. Jared Goff, turnovers. They let the Packers run up and down the the field on them. The Lions, you kind of mentioned playing like a bit of a soft schedule here this year. They go to the Saints and Bears, their next two. They still got the Cowboys and Vikings on their schedule. Well, Jared Goff becoming a terror machine lately. Are we in or out on the Lions faltering down the stretch and being one and done in the playoffs? Ah, oh, man. that oh, This is a great question. I, I'm One and done in the playoffs, I'm in on that. Because as high as we were at the start of the year on the Lions, I don't know that in a that we ever thought that in a big spot, they're going to be winning big playoff games. Like, are, are they in the Super Bowl contention conversation? Are they up there with, with Philadelphia, Dallas, San Francisco? No, of course not. And then you watch the season, and it was a big win on Thursday night uh, against the Chiefs. Then they lose to Seattle. So you know, they, then they, went, they rip off a winning streak, right? They, they beat the Falcons, beat the Packers, beat the Panthers, beat the Buccaneers. And then it's like, all right, you played a bunch of softies. Here's a big test for you, Detroit, in Baltimore against a red-hot Ravens team. And they got, they got embarrassed. What was it, 38-6? to six? And then the last couple of weeks, their defense— it's letting teams go up and down the field on them. Now, they beat the Chargers, but they gave up 38. They beat the Bears. They gave up 26. And then, you know, the Packers were helped by, what, three turnovers from the Lions. They lost by a touchdown. Again, they were favored by eight and a half points. So I'm in on them being one and done. One and done. I think they're a fun story. It, it, it was great to actually, you know, look forward to watching the Lions on Thanksgiving because typically we're not in that situation. That's kind of like the game you just ignore uh, because it's Detroit. But... They played well, well enough. They're going to make the playoffs, win this division. I just, I'm not high on them actually making noise in the playoffs just because maybe it's a little too soon. Next. All right, another Thanksgiving team that played on that day, and they won handsomely. And the caller actually just brought them up in the last segment, but I'm going to rain on their parade a little bit. Uh-oh. So even though they're one of the best teams in the NFC, and you can argue the NFL, 
The Cowboys, to me, are a team that I'm not convinced will at least make the NFC Championship game. One, because you got the 49ers and Eagles right ahead of them, but also they're perfect at home, only 3-3 three and three on the road, and they've yet to beat in the team with an over 500 record. You can blame the schedule makers all you want, but that's just facts right now. So I ask, in or out, the Cowboys are once again going to be pretenders in the playoffs. All right, so first, before I even get to that, what, what team do you root for? I am a Giants fan, and oh, I might okay, be biased so. here, but I, I will openly admit. <laughs> oh, you I, might be biased. No, okay, I am biased. But here's the thing. I will openly admit the Cowboys are definitely one of the best teams in the NFC. Their offense is potent right now, and it doesn't look like a lot can stop them. But history will tell us the Cowboys will once again falter. All right, so uh, the Giants um, played the Cowboys. So here's what I don't do. Cowboys lost that game to the Eagles, a game that you could certainly argue they should have won, given what happened on that final drive, the, all the mistakes the Eagles had made, penalties. They get to, what, the seven-yard line and had every opportunity to win it. Uh, on the prior possession, Dak stepping out of bounds on the two-point conversion. Like, so much happened that, that kept them from winning that game. A lot of it was their undoing. Since then, here's what the Cowboys have done. 49-17 to went over the Giants. 33-10 to went over the Panthers. 45-10 went over the Commanders. It's what they've done all season against bad teams, which is why I said that, you know, because of the Cowboys' playoff history the last 30 years, because you got smoked by San Francisco and your chance to, you know, kind of avenge what had happened in the last two playoff exits, and because you lost to the Eagles, there's nothing that they can really do during the regular season that's going to convince the naysayers that they're capable of getting to, like you say, an NFC championship game. And that includes me, a naysayer. So I am, what was the question? Am I in on them getting to an NFC championship game? In or out, they're going to be pretenders again in the playoffs, so they wouldn't make it. Pretender, uh, so I guess I'm in on them being pretenders because, no, I'm still not going to pick them to make the NFC Championship game. I think they can. Like, would I be shocked if they were representing the NFC? No. But I, it's just one of those, you got to see it to believe it. Just because Dak, I think, is without question. You, you can be a, a Dak hater all you want. There's no question he's one of the MVP candidates in the league. If you want to give me top five, top three, Dak is in that conversation w without question. But I still don't trust Mike McCarthy in a big spot. Clock management is like, you know, science to him. It's, 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 chem it's advanced chemistry. He can't figure it out. So whenever there, there's a chance for him to screw it up, I think it's just going to happen. So look, Dallas, they're going to be one of the best teams. Uh, they're not going to win this division. I think Philly's, Philly's got that. And, you know, Philly's got the one loss to the Jets. Uh, so they don't have any in-conference losses. And so far, they're two games ahead of them. Still got the head-to-head -head matchup. So I think that the path is clear for the Eagles to win the division. I do think the Cowboys are an excellent regular season team that won't get to the NFC Championship game just because I think the Eagles and the Niners are better. And those are the two teams that I have getting past them uh, this season. Next. All right. Real quick. Chiefs, Raiders, Chiefs at the Raiders. Chiefs seven and three, I believe, lost to the Eagles last week. Their offense is isn't as not explosive as, as it was in the seasons past. Dolphins ahead of them. The Ravens ahead of them. In or out, the Chiefs will no longer, for the first time in a long time, will not be the ones in the AFC. Uh it's actually not the first time in a long time. A couple years ago, they uh two years ago. They were the one seed last uh, last year, but two years ago, remember they were 
wild card weekend hosting the Steelers. But it's a long time. Um, yeah, for the Chiefs, right? Uh, I am out on the Chiefs being the one seed. I think Baltimore is going to get it. Um, it would be silly for me to engage in like, oh, I, I think the Chiefs are in trouble. Because they have a great defense. And I just don't think it's wise to say, you know what? It's the offense that's going to hold them back. And I get it. Uh, the drops are a problem. I, I think they badly miss Eric Bieniemy, though he can't catch the ball for Kadarius Tony and for Justin Watson. Even Kelsey's dropping balls. Uh, Rasheed Rice. So they've got a bunch of MVS. They've got a bunch of guys who have underwhelmed. But, you know, even when they get open, these are guys, they're dropping passes. So uh, I'm not concerned about them long term. I still think they should be, like, right around the favorites to win the AFC. But I'm out on her getting a number one seed just because I'm just that high on Baltimore. And Baltimore's had a few blemishes this year. They're, all three of their losses are bad losses. Uh, the, the Colts, the uh, Steelers, and then that Browns game they gave up at the end. But I still think they'll be the best team as far as the regular season is concerned at the end of the year. All right, one more before we have to go to break. In or out, I'll play both sides of the coin with my my Giants bias. With their laundry list of issues, it will take them at least three seasons to even think about the playoffs again. Uh, I am out on that. I think it will be a lot quicker just because I, I am confident that they're going to be bad enough to get one of these quarterbacks. And then I've seen Brian Dable... Uh, when given a, a, a guy to develop under center, he's done that. And I don't know if this quarterback's going to come in here with the ceiling of a Josh Allen, but I think, you know, three seasons, that's a very long time. Three seasons is a long time. And there's so much turnover roster, you know, year to year, worst to first, uh, first to worst. So I, I, I think it'll be fewer than three years for the Giants to get back to the playoffs. Contention, different, but playoffs, uh, I think they'll be back there uh, in, in fewer than four years.